Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, thanks for tuning in. This episode, we're focusing on all things osteo. That's right, we're looking into bone magic. Just a heads up, it can get a little bit gruesome when I talk about how to go about obtaining as well as cleaning bones, but it's necessary info. I've tried to tone it down as much as possible for those with uneasy stomachs. Also, there is a trigger warning for the threat of sexual violence. It's a very brief historical reference in relation to thieves. Bones have a narrative that alludes to death and loss, yes, but they are also something that is tangible and lives beyond the decay of flesh. These dense mineral remains are something that endure, something that death couldn't take. Bones are said to contain a sentient intelligence of those with whom they once belonged to, essentially the casket of the soul. The writers of the Talmud treasured one bone in particular as the holder of life. It was thought it was indestructible and would easily grant a second life. Interestingly, it isn't the skull, but the complete opposite, the coccyx or the tailbone. 
It gained the nickname, the Resurrection Bone. Since Paleolithic times, bones have been prized possessions, used within rituals and ceremonies. Within Mayan communities, bones are very sacred and very special. After hunting and eating an animal, the bones are carefully cleaned and taken to a shrine and left there. It's thought this principle comes from a myth where two brothers withheld food from a third younger brother. Instead, they threw the bones at him. Another young boy placed these bones on the ground, and new animals sprang from them. It's thought that the ritual of bringing the bones to a shrine could relate to an act of sustainable hunting, ensuring the animals remain plentiful. These modern rituals are thought to have taken place far back into Mesoamerican history. Meanwhile, over in Bolivia, we have a similar ritual whereby recently dead family members were boiled in quicklime in order to clean the bones. This process is called excarnation, and the bones were then taken away, perhaps back to the family home. It's thought that though the person had died, they still had a role to play within the lives of the living. The Incans would consult the remains of previous rulers for guidance and advice. Peoples within Gabon in the west coast of Africa leave their relatives exposed till the bones are left. These are collected and placed in dedicated buildings where the living can visit and speak to the ancestors. Figurines or statues guard over the dead and protect them from possession by evil spirits. I've posted one on the Mage's Well Instagram called the Powon, and from what I can tell, it was created as art, but sadly a lot of them were looted from these ancestral shrines, and many lie within museums today, when they should in fact be watching over the dead back in their own country. In many parts of the world, land ownership is verified by the burial of the owner's ancestors within their land. Within Cameroon, migrating families will take their ancestors' bones with them. Wherever the bones are placed, this area becomes sacred. Some polar hunting communities try to avoid breaking the bones of animals they've hunted and go to lengths to bury them in anatomical order to ensure the animal's forgiveness as well as their reconstitution in the spirit world. Southern Polynesians will use human bones to compel rain. Now, bonfire, mistakenly thought to come from the French bon, meaning good, actually lies in the word banefire. Bane being a Scottish word for bone. Now, these were huge fires where bones were piled on top of a fire that the Celts lit in order to ward away evil spirits and to protect the communities. These bonefires still happen today in the Irish parishes of Munster and Connaught. Within ancient Greece and Rome, an ass's skull was sacred to Priapus. You may remember him from the sex episode, he had the permanent erection. Now, an ass's skull was placed in fields and orchards to deter thieves and protect the crops. Priapus is said to sexually threaten those who wish to steal. Meanwhile, ancient Germans would put up curse posts in the lands and roads entering enemy's territory. Now at the top of these curse posts were horses' skulls that were supposed to inflict harm on those who approached them. Human skull cups have been found all over the world. These are essentially where the top of the skull bone, called the culveria, has been cut away and turned upside down to essentially create a drinking vessel. Now a cave in Somerset, England, was found to contain three of these cups, and they're the oldest in the world, dating back to the 13th millennium BCE. 
These biological containers are quite common in Hindu and Buddhist practices, particularly in Tibet and Nepal, and these skull cups are called kapalas, which were usually filled with wine or blood and offered to deities. How are we getting our bones? Well, you can buy them, there are online businesses set up for this, just do your research that it's legal to purchase where you live, not all places will be okay with this and won't import them. You can also buy from a butcher's or you can find them. Personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable harming a creature just to obtain its bones, so if I stumble across a carcass, that would be ideal for me. Also, finding dead animals is often seen as a sign. For example, a rabbit would be for new beginnings. Crows are symbols of the underworld. Pay attention to what you find and what messages you're being told. Also, be careful when around and handling these dead animals. Sometimes they may have died from disease, so take precautions. Now, the idea of collecting animal bones this way is a respectful act. You are showing the animal respect after it has passed and having reverence for its remains. You could say a prayer as you collect this animal and also inform the creature what you intend to do with its bones and also get its consent. Not all bones wish to be worked with. There are numerous ways that you can clean bones. Burying them would be one option, though in some places this is illegal, so check your area. You would wrap it in a wire mesh and bury it. The bigger the animal, the deeper the hole. Your timing can be quite difficult too. Too long and the bones can actually start to decompose, and too little and they aren't clean enough. Small animals tend to be one to two months, Larger ones 3 to 4, though this is dependent on a number of factors and isn't always the rule. It's also recommended that you place bricks on top of where you bury your animal, not only so the location is marked, but so scavengers won't dig up the body and make off with it. Now once it's ready, you want to dig it up, soak it in hydrogen peroxide to clean and bleach the bones. Another way to obtain bones is that you could place the carcass in water and change the water every few days. This can take time though and it is very smelly. To speed up the process you can put bio washing powder in which will help strip the bones clean. You can swap the detergent for hydrogen peroxide which is quicker. Just be careful when handling this as it's corrosive. After this there may still be cartilage and gristle left on which you'll have to file away and pick off. This really isn't for the faint-hearted. Once the bones are clean, you can leave them in salt to draw the moisture out. The cleaning of bones is quite a common practice and it's called vulture culture if you want to do more research. So we have our bones, what are we going to do with them? Well, there's different types of bones and therefore different correspondences. Antlers and horns tend to signify strength and sexuality. Think about stags battling for dominance to win a female. They also tend to relate to horned deities like the Greek Pan and the Celtic Cernanos. These horned deities tend to represent what the horns and antlers themselves stand for, that of sex and power. Also, horns can be linked to a crescent moon, where this symbol appears frequently within Egyptian and Mesopotamian spirituality. Teeth can be protective, but also carry the theme of survival. The higher up the food chain the animal is, the more potent its teeth is thought to be. Teeth can also relate to communication. Claws are perfect for defensive magic as well as protective. Bird's feet tend to be protective as well, though the behaviour and folklore that surrounds the bird will dictate nuances. 
Wings are great for adventure and confidence. I want to talk a little bit about skulls. Skulls are generally very powerful regardless of what creature you take them from. For most, it's where the brain is housed, and it's where most of what we experience through our senses is processed. The skull will essentially link you to the archetypal spirit of what or who the skull belongs to. So for example, a raven skull won't just be representative of that particular raven, but the archetypal spirit of the raven, its folklore and mythology, and the same with a human skull. It's the archetype of humanity and primordial beginnings. You can use more alive parts, shall we say, that of eyes used in spells for clarity, ears for learning, and tongues for communication. There's quite a popular spell that uses an ox tongues to stop people gossiping about the caster, but these parts fall outside the scope of this episode. Bones are essentially a vessel for particular spirits to reside in. Animal bones are great to work with and will establish a link between you and that particular animal. They can also grant access to the worlds the animals occupy. For example, ravens are the messengers of the underworld and will aid journeys there. Animal bones can also grant you powers that the animal has. So let's say, for example, bear bones grant strength, coyote or fox bones grant cunning, that kind of idea. As you may know, I set up my shop towards the end of last year with the goal of helping people deepen their practice and to connect to the divine. My products are carefully formulated with quality ingredients that are thoughtfully sourced, then packaged and wrapped with materials that have a low impact on the environment. For my oils, I will think of a brief or an aim that I want to achieve with this particular product. I specify some of the ingredients that I want to be in it, for example, with the Money Money Oil, I knew that basil had to be in there for me. It's got huge connotations with money and also with the Freedom Oil, I wanted people to feel like they were in a forest, so fir and cedar had to be in there. I then hand this brief or this idea over to Madhavi Patel, who has been working in aromatherapy for over a decade. She then intuitively picks the other ingredients and blends them into a formula that fits in with my idea or concept. I send out samples to a small group and see how they get on with it. Then, if it's all good, the product goes on my site. It's a small, intuitive process that works with small batches to deliver witchy oils that not only smell good, but work. In the shop today, we have Money Money Oil, Trance Oil, and Freedom Oil, as well as Erotica, my latest blend that's designed to be diffused throughout sex magic and love magic workings, and to generally create a space that is safe and fun for intimacy. I also have a rosemary cleansing bundle designed to be burned as an alternative to white sage that has been handmade by me with recycled string sourced from a mature rosemary brush from my friend's house in East London. It's wrapped under a dark moon for added potency. You can see all these products over on themajorswell.com. So let's talk about what spells you can actually do with them. Now personally, I don't cast hexes and curses, but I don't judge those who decide to do so. I was listening to Judica Ills giving an interview where she said that hexing isn't right or wrong, it's not that clear cut. 
A spell for protection or a spell for justice can easily look like a hex, and I agree with that. It's certainly a grey area. There's events in life that are incredibly complicated, and it's hard to distinguish. However, one spell that I would be totally chill doing is this next spell. It's a Teeth Intimidation spell that I got from Kate Fruller, and it's based on the idea that it's a universal sign to back off when animals bear their teeth. You want to find a tooth or teeth of a predator. The bigger, the better, and drill a hole in it. This is to turn it into a necklace. You then want to print a picture of the animal whose teeth you have, and this picture must be of the animal attacking something. It has to look vicious and scary. Place the tooth on top of the picture, and pour some black salt out in a circle around it. You then get a red candle, and if this spell is aimed at someone specifically, you can carve their name into it. As you light the candle, think of the sharp teeth and the violence that they can cause, and put that imagery into the candle as well. I should say that you're not the victim of the attack. You can focus it at someone, or you can just direct the attack generally. You then place the candle in the circle, and while it burns, place your tooth in your right hand and look at the picture and let the tooth absorb some of the heat from the candle. And that's it, you're ready to go. You would wear this when you need it. Keep it in a small box when you're not wearing it. You don't want this intimidating energy leaking out and filling your space. You could also have a human skull on your altar. It sounds a little bit scary, but bear with me. It can be used as a focal point to connect with life and our ancestors. However, you need to activate it before you use it. One way to activate the skull and to have it as a link to the underworld and spirit realm is to enliven it or redden it. Essentially, you are going to draw the life back into the bones and call the spirit back. This ritual has roots in prehistory, and it was a common practice to dig up the dead after a few years, redden their bones, and place them somewhere significant in the home. It's still practiced around the world today. You would paint the skull with either red ochre and or red wine, or you could make your own mix, add any herbs that you see fit around the theme of the underworld. So mandrake, mugwort, wormwood, just be careful when handling these, and then add something red. Beetroots have a strong connection to the underworld. You could also add your own blood as well. You could use palm oil, you could use pomegranate. Get creative and also do what feels right for you. If you can't get ochre, you could use brick dust. Bricks have ochre added to them. You want to make a paste-like consistency, and you leave this paste on the skull overnight, and you would conduct rituals around it to essentially call the spirit back into the bones. You could play drums, you could burn incense that you feel is relevant, conduct a breathing exercise over it. I would focus on retaining the breath and then blowing it into and over the skull. Generally incorporate your own workings. I came across a sigil in a book called Viridarium Umbrus by Daniel Alvin Schulke. It's called the Cross Seal of Resurrection and essentially guides the dead to their bones. I've posted a picture of it on the Mage as well Instagram. Now, drawing it, you want to say, Powers of the Cross of Resurrection, by strength of you, wood of eternity, I lift the burial shroud, go forth in flesh as the holy bark of the dead. Thymus. Rosemarinus, Santalum, Chrysanthemum, Amen. The herbs mentioned are thyme, rosemary, sandalwood, and chrysanthemum. 
I would burn these as you recite this. The next day, crumble the mixture off and this is the finished product. Leave offerings to your skull and incorporate it into rituals. Essentially, work with it like you would a deity. And it doesn't have to be a skull that you redden, it can be any bone from any creature. Bones are porous. Bearing this in mind, ointments and concoctions you pour over them and herbs rubbed into the surface will be absorbed and become imbued within the bones, meaning you can essentially charge bones by repeatedly pouring on ointments. Now bearing this in mind, you can give bones specific jobs. So for example, skulls are quite good generally for divination. You could strengthen this link by rubbing herbs and pouring oils onto the skull with correspondences that are linked to divination. And you can perfume them in a way to grant protection from evil spirits and also grant protection to you. You could use the resins of cedar, myrrh, pine, storax, mastic and elemy. Crush these up and add to olive oil and allow to steep for a good few weeks before using. Another skull activating spell involves coating it in myrrh, letting this dry and then applying the blood of the living to its crown, while saying, I call upon the bone of plenty, cornucopia of wisdom, death's head and spirit of the crypt, hallow sentinel and the growl of the spirits, thou who has kissed and cursed, heard the rustle of leaves and the din of war, behold the world through eyes of flesh, glimpse the sickle swinger coming for thee on death's bed, now rise from the twilight of mortal decay and know thyself anew, as the portal enchanted of Lay and Ara has harker, now see again, now hear again, now taste again, now speak again, now think again, now dream again. For by powers green of all sacred herbs, root to trunk, trunk to branch, branch to leaf, leaf to bud, thou art raised this night in the name of the first tiller. Layun, Ara, Azhaka, the hairy, the wild, sower and harvester, heaven's host and hell's hayward rise with thee, and offer up the fruits of cunning and transgression, the conjoined elixirs of love and death, the feast of flesh and spirit, unto the mastery of hedge and plot. You would then imagine two green flames in the eye sockets of the skull, that grows to the point where the entire skull is illuminated. Then imagine moss covering it and flowers, grass, leaves and bark springing forth. Then you add your offerings, oils and incense, and then you would fill the skull with lavender and rosebuds, tansy leaves, labdanum and sweetgrass, and pack the eye sockets with cypress resin. Then tree oils are rubbed into the skull and I would use the cedar, myrrh, pine, storax, mastic and elemy mix that I mentioned earlier. You'd then leave it an offering of grave dirt. Now, skulls have been found buried under properties, particularly horse skulls, in what's thought to be a bid for good luck and protection. You could activate your skull and bury it. However, would I be happy if someone activated my skull and then they buried it under their house? No, no I wouldn't, so communicate your intent and get consent, he rhymes as well. I'd also sit with the skull before attempting any sort of activation, and make sure that it's what it wants. If you want to channel a specific spirit to reside in the skull and communicate with it, state that intention within the ritual. 
Bones may also be used to create ritual musical instruments, which can serve as a soundtrack for necromatic rites. You could also burn bones. This is an ancient Celtic practice where the bones of animals will be burnt as an offering to a deity or as a way to ward off evil spirits and grant protection. Some necromancers still practice the ancient art of throwing bones, which consists of tossing human or animal bones onto a mat and deciphering their meanings. You can easily carve or burn using a wood burning kit, sigils or runes or symbols that you assign your own meanings to into bones for various magical outcomes and divination. You can also then prick your finger and wipe the blood over the sigil or rune. Alternatively, you could also stare into the eyes of a skull to receive messages. Traditionally, in order for skulls to communicate with you, the lower jaw had to be intact. Now, there are some who refuse to work with human bones, worrying that the person's energy may be lingering and that it may not be a positive one. If this is a concern, you could perform a cleansing ritual on the bones, so you essentially have an empty vessel, and then you would go about performing a ritual to draw the preferred energy into the bones. Necromancers often work with human bones to connect and communicate with the person whose body used to contain them. This is all very well and good if you knew the person. This would also suggest that you obtain the matter illegally, which I don't recommend that you do. However, it is unlikely that we will be knowing this person. And the alternative of buying human bones online, which again carries its own risk because you don't know who they came from and they may not necessarily be someone you wish to communicate with, it bears keeping in mind. Also, be mindful on how you source the bones and make sure the company is ethical. Be mindful of buying bones from places that sell endangered animal bones. If you do decide to work with bones, please do so with respect and ask the spirit of the bones if it's okay to work with them and consult them as much as possible. It is their bones you're working with and they have the right to say no. Also, familiarise yourself with local laws relating to owning bones. Some places aren't happy with it. Bone magic isn't for everyone, especially preparing the bones yourself. I think in regards to working with them, there is something incredibly primal about it and raw, and I love the fact that the reddening ritual that our ancient ancestors used to practice, it's thousands of years old, and yet it's still alive today. It's through working with bones, you could argue, that death is just the beginning. And Majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to the mage as well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with the mage as well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at the mage as well. You could tell your friends and family about the show. You could post about the podcast. 
And most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts and it draws in new listeners and helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Special thanks to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is called And Death Shall Have No Dominion by Dylan Thomas. And death shall have no dominion. Dead men naked, they shall be one. With the man in the wind and the west moon when their bones are picked clean and the clean bones gone. They shall have stars at elbow and foot, though they go mad and shall be sane, though they sink through the sea, they shall rise again. Though lovers be lost, love shall not, and death shall have no dominion. And death shall have no dominion under the windings of the sea. They lying long shall not die windily, twisting on racks when sinews give way. Strapped to a wheel, yet they shall not break. Faith in their hands shall snap in two, and the unicorn evil runs through them. Split all ends up, they shan't crack, and death shall have no dominion. And death shall have no dominion, no more may gulls cry at their ears, or waves break loud on the seashores, where blew a flower, may a flower no more, lift its head to the blows of the rain. Though they be mad and dead as nails, heads of the characters hammer through daisies, break in the sun till the sun breaks down, and death shall have no dominion. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 